we're just going to read God's Word together. And if you're willing, able, and if you would, Luke 23, verse 44. If you want to open your Bibles there, that would be great. You can follow along a little bit on the screen. We're not going to read all these verses. I'm in the back. But we are going to read through the end of the chapter. Verse 44 is about the ninth hour. Excuse me, sixth hour. There was a darkness over all the earth till the ninth hour. The sun was dark and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. When Jesus cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, in your hands I commend my spirit. Having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now, when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly, this was a righteous man. Verse 48, all the people that came together to that site, the public execution brought the folks who were in between events on Passover, or leading up to Passover, rather. Behold, the things which were done smote their breast and returned. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. We'll get a list of them in a moment. Behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, a good man. We would find out he actually be a religious leader, part of the Sanhedrin. Same and not consented to the council. Indeed, of them, he was of Arimathea, or Arimathea, of the city of the Jews. He also himself waited for the kingdom of God. He was a believer, wanted Jesus to be the Messiah. Verse 52, this man went to Pilate. He's got enough money, prestige, and power. He cut the line. He gets right to the guy in charge, begged the body of Jesus. Why? Clock's ticking. Got to be buried before sundown. Sundown starts Sabbath. This artificial deadline, he has got to work fast. Got to get the body, prepare the body, get the body in the tomb. Took it down, verse 53, wrapped it in linen, laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never before man was laid. And that day was the preparation. The Sabbath drew on, 55. The women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed, beheld the sepulcher, this, uh, cut, uh, this uh, place cut out of a rock, and... How his body was laid, they returned, prepared spices and ointments, and rested the Sabbath day, that's Saturday, according to his commandment. You can be seated. You can be seated. I want to talk about his victory, our hope this morning. His victory, our hope. And all those middle schoolers and junior age kids, if you want to step out now, you've got your own service in the back. So any of our younger kids, middle school, elementary, um, junior style kids, you're welcome to go back there with your Bibles and all. Would you pray with me right now, Father? Lord, I pray right now that you'd help me focus. Lord, I'm so excited, I'm so thrilled that it's resurrection celebration time. I'm so thrilled for what you've done for us. Thrilled for what you did for me. I I can't believe, can't believe how you changed my life all these years ago. Can't believe I I get to be one of the ones who stand up and brag on you today, Jesus. So Lord, I'm thrilled, I'm overwhelmed, but in my thrilled being thrilled and being overwhelmed, I pray I'd focus. I pray I'd focus really well. I pray you'd help us to focus on the Scripture, the story. I pray you'd help us focus on ourselves, Lord, what we need to do. I pray you'd break through, Lord, the fact that we're in a crowd of people, that we would just focus, Lord, as it were, on the audience of one, you. So, Holy Spirit of God, as I'm preaching on the outside, I pray you preach on the inside. Help folks not be phony or fake. Help not care what anybody thinks. I pray, Father, that they would alone understand the seriousness of the subject and you would speak to their hearts father we're a long way away from knowing the details of this story much less it's important so i pray you'd help us right now father speak to hearts i ask in jesus wonderful name and amen amen you can be seated you can be seated and you uh, you can remain seated rather you remain seated so so make sure we got the clicker and all working back there yeah yeah, I want to suggest to you this morning that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. 
The resurrection of Jesus changed there, and it can change everything for you. We looked at a series of messages. If you're on YouTube or you're on a Facebook, you can go look and you can review these. We started off talking about Jesus and, and uh, the first crossroads that we came to in the book of Luke there was he goes into his house and we see meek and mild Jesus, so the story goes, and instead he's doing not the first time, but the second time, he just stares up and straightens out everything in the temple, the outer courtyard. They're robbing people, ripping people off, they're blaspheming, all these kind of things. He goes in there and he handles things. He absolutely, why? Because it's his house. We, we need to understand and understand the church is his place. It's his place. It matters what he says about what we do here. We focus then on his betrayal and how he tenderly interacts with Judas. Sometimes I think we think, man, I've, I've done too much and I've blown it too badly. Over and over and over again, we see him. Judas, are you sure this is what you want to do? Judas, are you sure you're going to do this? Even to the very act of betrayal, he looks at him. Sometimes shame cause us to shrivel and we won't ever go forward we won't ever we won't ever make an attempt to get things right we won't ever respond because i've just blown it so badly i remind you jesus in the very act of betrayal is actively seeking to get judas to repent we find jesus in his garden where he sweats great drops of blood it's one of the first occasions we see of the wounds that jesus will suffer and is he there, and he is praying, and he is saying, God, permit this cup not to pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And the anguish that is there in the spiritual battleground, we see him at his trial. And man, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And as they ping-pong him back and forth, playing not it, and the Jewish religious leaders, the most they can do to him is see that he's stoned. But they really can't do that if their fingerprints are all over because more than enough people believe Jesus is who he says he is, and they're worried about the political blowback. So they figure out they can get Pilate and Herod Antipas in such a bind that one of them will consent, and they'll do the Roman form of execution, crucifixion. Their hands will be off of it. In the same time, if anybody comes to him, they'll just blame it on Pilate or blame it on Herod. And it's a mess. Pilate desperately tries to let him know there is no reason to punish this man. And they end up with the unbelievable swap, the seditionist, the murder, really the terrorist. <coughs> Barabbas is exchanged, and Jesus, the one who did no wrong, is sent to be crucified. Last time, again, <coughs> again, my sincere apologies. Usually when I preach on one of these subjects, I give a little bit of disclaimer. I just was in a hurry. I didn't, I did not mean to offend or startle some, and I know there were some who were Jesus, and we detailed six types of medical wounds he suffered and experienced, and we say it in a sanitized way. We say he was crucified, or we say he went to the cross, and we have no clue sometimes what that means. And I hope we, we got some help from the Scripture last time as we unpacked, man, just how unbelievably awful it was. We looked at his crucifixion, and now we, looked at his, now we will look at his victory. Now we will look at the end of all this in his victory. Not just his victory, but we're looking at our hope. We're looking at our hope. And uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad that you and I can have hope this morning. Anybody here ever, ever experienced hope? Anybody here ever experienced hope? Anybody here ever want to experience hope? Anybody in here going, man, I hope we get out in time enough to eat the pot roast. All right, I see you. And, and we're here and we, and we experience hope. Hope is a tremendous commodity. It's an, un, it's an absolutely needed 
to be depressed, to be bereft, to, to, be, to experience greed or perpetual greed or to think nothing can ever change or it's only going to be for these people, only going to be for that crowd. If you've, ever, if you've ever been there, then this message for you. If you ever think you've blown it so badly, you messed up with your first spouse, or you messed up with your kid, <coughs> excuse me, you messed up with the job situation, or you did this and you got caught, or worse, you did something you didn't get caught, and you live with the guilt and the shame, you say, it will never get any better. I offer you his resurrection. You think I can't be forgiven? Some of you grew up around parents, step-parents, who constantly didn't remind you of your successes, but they were fast to point out your faults. You've been acting like God is in the performance-based love business ever since. I offer you his resurrection. I offer you his victory and your hope. I offer it to you this morning from Luke 23 and Luke 24, and I hope you'll join me. If I was to sum it up, I'd sum it up in the four G's here. Four G's. If you're still with me, nod your head. I'm going as fast as I can to try and get you out on time. You still with me? Nod your head. I give you the four G's. That's the last two or three chapters there in particular. You see grace starting off. See grace starting off. See, what do you mean grace? Joseph, excuse me. Simon the Cyrene, apparently, apparently he's got some children. We kind of get that from the other places. Simon is there. Jesus falls beneath the load. Simon offers grace to Jesus. He's got the patibulum, the center part of the cross. Jesus has been through all he's been through. He's dehydrated. He's emaciated. He is at the point of not looking like a human. He falls. He's still got to go up the winding path to Golgotha, the place of the skull, Calvary, what we call it, translated in English. And he falls, and grace is shown as he gets it. And he bears the cross, foreshadowing for us really and truly. What Jesus is about to do is he bears our sins on his cross. We see Simon. We see Simon there <coughs> doing and, and acting out into, in grace. We see the daughters of Jerusalem. Jesus turns to them before he falls, and he says, Hey, you listen. The Romans are doing this to me. They're about to come, and you're going to wish you didn't even have kids. It's about to be so bad. You think Herod Antipas, the current ruler, is bad. Nero's coming. And Nero's going to make him look like he's been playing with crayons. It's bad now. It's about to get unbelievably worse. Take shelter. Understand. Hide yourself. Believe in me. Be ready for what's ahead. He shows grace. He shows grace. He talks to the soldiers on the cross. <clears throat> I have... I have studies on what he's trying to say here. I don't know I can fully expand. I don't know if I took two messages to expand, but I just offer it to you. The ones who had put the spikes through his wrist, the ones who crossed his legs and put the spike there, and then I think they really did raise him up. That's the, that's the verbiage there. And as he falls into, falls into the hole and with the jerk, pulling on his muscles and his nerves as he begins to push up for every breath. He says, not in anger, but in agony. And he looks down at the men and says, Father, what? Forgive them. For they know not what they do. That's grace. That's grace. You see grace. <clears throat> you see grace. You see grace shown to the repentant thief. <laughs> we call him the thief. We've, again, that's a word we sanitize. He was probably a murderer and a sedition. It was probably the three of them with Barabbas. And the last thing in his life, God forgive me. And with one of the last things Jesus is going to do, he forgives him. 
I was going to sum it up, I'd sum it up to grace. If I was going to sum it up, the last chapter is reading it right now, it's gore. These are vicious, mean people. One of the problems Hollywood and in, 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 in pop literature and in, in, in certainly the, the gaming world and all those kind. one of the things it had done is it desensitized us to the awfulness and the agony of bloodshed and violence and war. We have to have somebody like me be all crazy dramatic to even get us to think about what in the world did they do to this man Jesus? It's awful. <clears throat> There's grief. You caught it, didn't you? Ladies falling afar off. Peter's nowhere to be seen, one of the disciples, the apostles. The others are scattered. They're so grieving, they won't believe, chapter 24, that he's even alive. They think the women are hallucinating in their grief. They refuse to believe it. They're overwhelmed. He's dead. <clears throat> if I say plastic, people nod your head. I'm not talking about plastic surgery. I'm talking about act fake. If I say, I don't know what current slang is. I'm old. I'm a geezer. If I say plastic, people, can I use that expression? You can nod or not because I'm going to use it. All right, very good. All right, thank you. Plastic people, how are you doing? Fine. Isn't that the best lie we tell in a week's time, right? Now, the flip of that is you tell people how you really are, and nobody wants that either, so I don't know what to tell you. And uh, here these people are. What are they? They can't believe it. They can't believe he didn't get off the cross. They can't believe he let him go through. They can't believe they were that mean to Jesus. They are stunned. And they just keep in, in eyesight. So they perpetuated a hoax. If they perpetuated a hoax, then why in the world they go back and get burial spices ready? They were sure he was dead. There's grief. Truth of the matter is, and then gone. What's gone? Hope. Hope's gone. Life without Jesus means no hope. Life without Jesus indicates hope is gone. And Jesus is dead, and as far as they knew, man, everything was over now. And what are we going to do? And it is gone. Have you ever been there, by the way? <clears throat> I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to do next. I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. I thought this was going to work out. I thought this person had my best interest in mind. I thought this person really loved me. I thought I'd be fulfilled when I had a child. I thought I'd be fulfilled when I got this job. I thought, I thought if I quit drinking for a little while, or I thought if I cut my drinking back a little while, I thought of whatever it was, and you still feel like what? Hope is gone. That's the end of 23. There's gore, there's grace, there's grief. It's gone. And everything changed. Everything changed. And that's chapter 24. You've got your sheets there. You've got your Bibles, your apps open. Follow along with me. You're still with me. Say amen. All right. Stay with me. Verse 24. Chapter 24, rather, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, came a they came in a supper, agreeing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. We go back just a little ways, that three-hour window. <coughs> Excuse me. Joseph, the one guy from Arimathea, he goes to Pilate, gets his body. We see in the other places that Nicodemus says, hey, I'm a secret disciple no longer. They get about, it says 100 pounds, and our measurement is about 70 pounds. 
Nicodemus brings, Nicodemus is the one who came to him by night, brings the spices. Joseph gets his body. They fulfill prophecies. They come in. Nobody's ever been laid there. They tuck him in. They put the spices there. Again, not everybody knows everything going on. The ladies say, hey, we're going to do this as well. And they don't know in addition, we're going to come, but we can't get it all ready. Remember, they had three hours, three hours from the time Jesus pronounced dead. They stab him in the side with the spear. Got to go to Pilate. Got to get him back. Got to get him wrapped. Got to get him in there all before 6 p.m. sunset because Sabbath starts and it was illegal to do that. Friday night, all day Saturday, till Sunday morning, they started out in the dark. It's where we find them. These folks where hope is gone. What do we see? These fearful disciples are now what? And they're faithful disciples. You know what the resurrection will do for you, man? It'll make you bold. Resurrection will help you to live, right? The resurrection will help you to quit losing your voice at work when everybody's talking dirty and ugly. And the resurrection will help you to live, right? The resurrection will change everything about you. And you'll no longer be a meek and a mouse, but you'll be a mighty lion for the Lord. That's what happens. Why? How do you know that Joseph of Arimathea, the one who's on the, on the Sanhedrin, he objected then and he comes back now. I don't care who knows it. I will put that man in my family's tomb. And Nicodemus says, I'm tired of hiding too. Here's the stuff we've been collecting for years. 70 pounds of it. That's for his whole family. <clears throat> when Mary broke the uh, broke the uh, and br- broke the vessel and poured out the ointment on Jesus' feet and wiped it with his hair. That was one thing. One pound of spikenard was worth what? Was worth a year's wages. Nicodemus brought what was for his whole family. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care who knows. Is that our problem today? We're quiet unless it's politics or sports. Resurrection ought to make us fearless. Hey, he's alive, and he changed my life, and I don't care who knows it. By the way, if you believe that, say amen. It changed the fearful disciples into faithful disciples. Changed them there. Why? <coughs> Why? Because he was, he was alive. He was alive. You're going to see John and Peter. If we go over the book of John, you're going to see these guys doing what? These guys, man, they wouldn't believe. They barely would come. They wouldn't believe Mary Magdalene. And then all of a sudden, they come. They've been following. And now they're ready to be there. If you go on down to chapter 24, look at verse number 10. You see Joanna there. You see Mary Magdalene there. (coughs) Excuse me. So Joanna, you see Mary Magdalene there. You see Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Salome, the mother of James and John. Joanna. These people want to be named. Why? Because they don't care. Who knows? I belong to him. One of the things we're going to do in a few weeks, we'll have a water baptism. That's one way you say publicly, I was wearing perfectly good clothes. Some maniac put me in a tank of water and got me all wet in front of everybody because I don't care who knows, I belong to Jesus Christ. By the way, if you think that's a great way to be identified in the Bible, say amen. We're going to do, I don't care who knows, I'll bring the gospel, I'll pass it, I'll invite people to church because I don't, it doesn't matter, he is alive. That's what matters. It changed them, changed Nicodemus, changed all the apostles. Everything is different. Everything is different. He changed my life. What can I do for him? 
You're there in verse number one. Go to verse two. They found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in, found not the body of the Lord Jesus came to pass. As they were perplexed, behold, two men shining, stood by them in shining garments. They were afraid, bowed down the earth, said, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Not my message almost was a message. <laughs> verse five. Isn't that the question? Isn't that the question? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Don't miss the answer. He is not here. Read those next three words with me. Verse 5. He is what? Risen. He is risen. He is risen. Remember how he spake to you when he was yet in Galilee. Those of you who like to take notes, that's Luke 9.22. Luke 9.22. Son of man must go. He must, be, he must be crucified, buried, and rise again the third day. He is absolutely keeping his promise to them. Verse 6. He's not here. He's risen. Verse 7. Son of man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day rise again. They remembered his words, returned from the sepulcher, and told all these things to the leaven and all the rest. It changed the fearful disciples. Number two, it changed the way we view women. I hit this in the move. I just want to say it, and somebody needs to say it. I don't know how. I don't know how we lost this PR battle. But Christianity is not, is not the group that thinks little of women. Christianity changed the way the modern world looks at women to be elevated, to be cherished, to be loved, <coughs> created to be equal. We have different roles. We have different things we get to do. But God elevated them, and he highlights them here. It's the women by name. It's the first, the first person to appear to see the risen Christ is a, is a lady. Do not give in to that argument. And by the way, with all the the craziness and the wickedness that's being foisted upon our young people today is they're told they're no different. And whether it's the Instagram, you got to be absolutely weigh 100, excuse me, 95 pounds and a full head of makeup in order, in order to have value or you have no value and you just need to buzz cut your hair and all these kind of things or to the men, you need to, you need to act in just the insanity and the sinfulness and wickedness. The Bible screams out. From the resurrection tomb of Jesus, man, you have value because I love you. You're created in my image. And if you mistreat women in here and if you think down to them, if you mansplain everything and you're ugly and you're derogatory and you're condescending, God forbid you lay your hands on women, you don't ever put that on Jesus Christ. You don't ever put that on Christianity. Because from the jump, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, what? The men and the women that worshiped together. And the women served. Don't miss it. It isn't James and John's father. It isn't, it isn't, it isn't uh, James and Josie's father. Man, it, they are focusing and highlighting these women. There's a lot I want to say. I don't want to say, but the resurrection and Jesus changed the way we do that. Christianity ought to elevate that. If you think differently and all these kind of things, then you are not thinking biblically. You are thinking worldly and sinfully. Number three, change the way we view death. I had somebody, I had somebody this week tell me, I just want to die and forget. I got news for you. You might die, but you won't forget. Death is the death is the gateway to the resurrection of the just and the resurrection of the damned. That's it. 
And you'll face judgment whether you're adjudicated not to get in, but you'll be adjudicated what awards you get and what rewards and rewards you get because you get to give them back to Jesus, or you will face final sentencing at the judgment, excuse me, at the great white throne judgment, where for all eternity it will be forever established. God will play by his own rules, and hell and death, death being the temporary prison be cast in the lake of fire. Death is not the end, death is simply the gateway to what is next. One of the things Joe got to say, got to, say to me uh, Saturday morning. I know my dad's okay. Why? Because when Jesus rose from the dead, he changed everything we think about death. Somebody's got power over death. Somebody has power over what we are powerless against. Powerless against. I read a tech story this week about about all these uh, tech gurus and stuff, and they're trying to find the immortality pill. And I, and I, and I, choke, I chuckled again. I chuckled again. Man, uh, one, <coughs> I don't want to live in this body forever. Not, not your head if you're with me here. Uh, I, I, got a, I got a toe that points east, you know. I, I, got, I, got, I, got some, I got some other things. I got, a, I got a place on my back that I would have to break an arm in order to scratch. I have various devices around the house. You know, you know, if you go on vacation, you see, you see some of those kind of things for like two or three bucks. I have those. I have it. <laughs> you know, I'm counting on the new body, not having any, not having any of those. Nod your head. Amen. And, uh, and I don't know if it's sinful or not, but I, if I get a new body, I want, I think I want all my toes north and south <coughs> and those kind of things. I, uh, I, I'm, I'd like, I'd like, like some of you, some of you are going, you're going, man, I thought I had problems. I'm just, I have difficulty because I'm in a sinful, sin-cursed body. There is no immortality pill you're going to get because the problem is you and I live in a sinful world, a sin-cursed world. Until the new heaven and new earth come and we get to new bodies, new bodies, then nothing will be, nothing will be forever. You don't want to live like that. But you can view, instead of being fearful of death, you can say what? Man, I am glad that Jesus said that I will live forever with him. And we don't say goodbye. We say, I will see you in the morning. I will see you soon. Change the way we view death. Change the way number four. <coughs> Change the way we look at Jesus. <coughs> Some years ago, man put out, a, put out a book. It was a series of lectures. They compiled in little books. Been given out by the millions throughout the years. <coughs> Got, he proffers the idea. It's a little book called Who Moved the Stone? He offers this idea. He said, Jesus is either Lord liar or a lunatic he said but he can't be anything else because a good man wouldn't claim to be god excuse me a crazy man would and a liar would but a good man wouldn't don't call him a good man he's either lord liar or lunatic if he said he was going to rise from the dead he's going and he rose from the dead then you got to believe him you got to believe him <coughs> there are five key truths five key truths atheist skeptics do not deny they don't deny they don't deny <coughs> excuse me they don't deny that he was crucified in Jerusalem. They don't deny, they agree with the enemies that he was there. The early critics, uh, they agree with the, agree with the folks that, that his body was gone. They understand that the first witnesses were there, that he was buried in a private tomb, that everything changed. His disciples were transformed from doubters and shirkers and people that were ready to hide to people who were willing to die and did die for this. By the way, People will die for a life. They don't know it to be a lie, but nobody dies for a life. They know that. They died. All of them, save one. John died of old age. 
They understand. They understand. You say, I'm, I'm skeptical. I'll offer you the book we're handing out. But you understand, if Jesus is who he says he is, he's worthy of our worship. Worthy of worship. One of the dumbest things in our life, one of the dumbest things in our life, we tell Jesus no. I used to tell people, I'm not scared of folks who do this, do that. I'm scared of anybody who says, I know what the Bible says, comma, but. Man, you terrify me. What kind of crazy are you, what kind of crazy are you drinking? Well, I think Jesus is, comma, but. He is who he says he is. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our devotion. It changes the way we look at Jesus. Lastly, it changes the way we look at sin and shame. You still with me? Still with me? If your Bibles are still open, if your, if your handout's still open, find it, find it there with me, if you would, back in Luke 24, verse 10. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and James, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with him, verse 10, which were told these things to the apostles. And the words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. They were so grief-stricken. They were so confounded that Jesus was dead. By the way, if you've ever lost anybody, you understand that fog. And they are in it. Then arose Peter, ran to the sepulcher, stooping down, behold, the linen clothes. Luke records Peter only coming, but in actuality, John the apostle runs past him, he gets there first. Wondering in himself that which was to come. You go over to John 18, you see what? You see the clothes that have been embalmed, all the fluids, all the, all the things that would have been expelled from the brutally beaten body that was sacrificed on the, on the cross. They would have been, they would have absorbed, they would have become rigid. The idea is that the clothes are still there in the shell. The linen wrap the napkin, which is different for us today, that had been wrapped around them was still there. It was as if he passed right through it. And Peter, still in his grief and his fog, and John can't make heads or tails of it. They're so certain he's dead, they with the ladies think somebody has stolen the body, but how in the world they steal the body and not mess up everything that was around him? Verse 13. <coughs> They were there on the road to Emmaus. Jesus begins to talk to him. But he appears to one. We don't have the time. Write this reference down. John 20, verse 11. John 20, verse 11. Let me just for time's sake. John 20, verse 11. John and Peter run off. If you don't catch anything else, catch this. Peter, the rock. And Jesus was, when Peter was doing what he's supposed to, he got called Peter. When he was acting like his old self, he got called Simon. When he was duplicitous, by the way, he was called Simon Peter. You, you mark it out. What am I going to do? I denied Jesus three times. He is living with the guilt of not confessing Christ, of acting, unbecoming of someone who believed in him. John's crushed. John, the guy with the awful, bad temper. And Jesus is dead. John, who had become known as the apostle, we call him the apostle of love, but he didn't start out that way. And what a temper this guy had. But John 20, verse 8, or verse 11. It's Mary, Mary Magdalene. No matter who you are in this room, 
there, there are people you will experience in a month's time who make you a little bit uncomfortable. Even the most gregarious person in here, there's somebody who just makes you, without exception, that's Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene's lifestyle was so wild, her past so checkered. She was demonically possessed not by one demon, but the Bible records seven. There is no contest. There is no, there is no donut and coffee half circle of people talking about their past that Mary Magdalene will not have the Trump story. She will win if she decides to share it. And completely given over to the worst things ever. Jesus Freezer. He cast out the demons. She's absolutely free. And man, life is so good. And she joins up with their crowd. And she's hanging out with the apostles and the other disciples and the followers. And she is one of the eyewitnesses and watches him beaten and watches him taken up and watches him fall and watches him die and watches him stab him up under the side. And they take him down. He steps behind Nicodemus and Joseph as they wrap him, as they lay him in the cave. And for the longest night, and the most awful day until the break of dawn in the morning. What's going to happen to me? I've never had such a good life. All my shame, all my sin, all my past. I'm going to relapse. It's going to be worse. I thought he was the one. I thought, I thought this was different. Can you imagine the sin, the shame, and the hopelessness? When I say hope was gone, I don't mean a little. I mean it was gone. Look right at me, please. I, got, I guarantee you nothing going on in your phone is interested in what I'm doing right now. Verse 11. She sees somebody scattered among basically these rich people's tombs. She assumes it's the caretaker, the gardener. Sir, do you know where they've taken the body of my Lord? Can, can, you, hear, can you hear the words choking her throat? Can you hear her stumble to say it? The man that changed my life. Did the, did the Romans take him? Is this some weirdness Pilate's doing? Is Herod Antipas just being mean? You, you got no reason to tell me. Do, do you know what they did with him? I've got something I want to put on his body. Don't ever miss it. John 20, starting in verse 11. 
And Jesus turns and says, Mary. First words. The resurrected Christ says was to call somebody's name. Somebody who desperately needed to know he was alive. Somebody who desperately needed to know that he still could transform her life. Somebody who desperately, desperately had been in such an awful state. And Jesus changed everything about her. Let me help you. And nobody's ever said your name like King Jesus. And nobody will ever say your name like King Jesus. And you don't need anybody to say your name like he has. And you say, in all the mess and all the background and all the horror and all the sin and the shame. And the resurrection of Jesus changed her life forever. Say, I am too bad. I've done too much. Too many women. Too many men. Too many drugs. Too many this. Too many that. Too many whatever. I, I offer you all these folks who never, ever, ever got over what Jesus did for their sin and their shame and how he nailed it to his cross and then came out of the tomb. I can change your life. I will change your life. I have changed your life. One writer said like this, I'm done. I'm done. You can understand the facts of the resurrection and you can be lost. You can understand the feeling of the resurrection. You can love it when we sing, Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. You can feel real good, and you can do this, get your picture taken, eat a big lunch, hang out with family, make some friends, go sit out among the tulips, whatever you want to do. We understand fact and feeling. The Bible says fact and feeling will not transform our life, but to appropriate what Jesus did for us, we need faith. I believe that he is the Son of God. I believe that he really did die. I believe that up from the grave he arose, and he ever lives now. I believe that I am a sinner and that he is sinless. I believe that if I continue like I am, I will spend an eternity apart from him trying desperately to pay for my sins, or I can accept the fact that he really did satisfy everything that I owed to the justice of God, and that I can receive his righteousness, and he can change my life. But everything can be different. Fact and feeling only go so far. Faith is required. It's at that point that his victory moves from just our hope to our victory. To our victory. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? You've listened well. For those of you new to our church, we give folks a chance to respond. It's not real high pressure, not anything like that.